Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like what you hear, please press subscribe. And also, if you could leave a review and rate this podcast, that would be amazing. Um, Thank you to the many of you who have already done that. It means so much to me, and I read every comment. So please review, rate, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books beach tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. I had a really great time talking to Jasmine Guillory about her latest novel called Party of Two. Jasmine Guillory is the New York Times bestselling author of five romance novels, including The Wedding Date and The Proposal, which was a Reese's Book Club pick. Her work has appeared in O, oh, The Oprah Magazine, Real Simple, and Cosmopolitan. She currently lives in Oakland, California. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I have to say, I listened to your book, which I don't always do, but I've been getting more into audiobooks. And I was going on a run, and I was listening to all these descriptions of, like, desserts and pies and cakes. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even think I should run anymore. (laughs) I wanted to just go right to the nearest bakery and forget the exercise. Both things are great. (laughs) (laughs) My most important question that I have to start this with, was there actually a bakery in L.A. that had a cake that was this good that you had in mind when you wrote this? Because if so, I have to get there. No, but there are a lot of cakes that I have had in mind that are that good. And so I sort of based all of my cake knowledge on cakes that I've either baked or had in my life. <laughs> and so I put those in the book. Okay. Because I was ready to like text you. Not that I have you. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, I have to get to this bakery. The pie place in LA is real though. It is. Yes. Yes. My favorite cakes in LA are from Susie Cakes. Have you had those cakes? Yes. They have them in the Bay Area as well. They're oh. great. Okay. Well, anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way. <laughs> so congrats. At the time of our talking, your book just came out the day before yesterday. So that's really yes, exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Would you mind just telling listeners what this book is about, please? It's called Party Two. It's about, it's a romance. It's about Aaliyah Monroe who moves to LA at the very beginning of the book. She's just left New York and she's starting her own law practice in Los Angeles with one of her best friends. And at the hotel bar early in her time in LA, she gets into a conversation with a charming stranger. She's a little suspicious of him because he's maybe a little too charming, but they chat for a while. She goes back to her room and she turns on the news and realizes that the guy that she'd been talking to was a senator from California. And then they run into each other again a few weeks later. Max, who is the senator, has been thinking about Olivia the whole time and is very excited to see her again. And he starts wooing her by sending her a cake. And so they start a little relationship. Love it. There's one scene right at the beginning after they first met when she goes back to the hotel room and you talk about it and you say she turned on the TV, but she took out her contacts. So I was like, oh no, she's going to hear, but she's not going to know. And she's going to keep, <laughs> they're going to keep missing each other. And only we're going to know. And I'm going to have to live with that knowledge that I know and she doesn't. 
So thank you for not doing that. That would have been torture. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that would have been torture. So I know this is like book five in your whole series of of dating books and all the rest. How did this whole thing come about? Did you have an idea for all of these stories at once? Did you see them all as a series? Was one the first idea? Like how did this whole thing happen? I definitely didn't see them all at first. I wrote The Wedding Date, which is my first book. And that book is about Olivia's sister, Alexa. And Olivia appears in that book. And so, you know, there are a number of characters who first appear in one book that I enjoy writing. And I sort of think maybe someday I could write their book too. But it it sometimes takes a while to like either figure out what their story is or to like work up the ability for me to really write that story and give it justice. And so with Olivia's story, I actually had the germ of an idea early on, like maybe Olivia will date a politician, but I didn't, I think I needed a lot more time, both, you know, in writing and just like figuring out really what that story would be, what struggles she would go through and what struggles he would go through and how they would come together. So it was really fun to come back to Olivia and get to write her story this time. And how did you get the background information about Max and even the loneliness of being a senator and and like his relationship with Wes and how like senators are just people too? <laughs> like, how did you research that? Did you know a senator or it's imagination or what? It's a little combination of everything. I used to work on Capitol Hill a long time ago. So a little bit it comes from that, but also doing research, you know, it's funny because like a lot of senators and members of the house are roommates, you know, they have to have two different places. And a lot of them don't want to spend a lot of money on a place in DC. So they kind of like shack up in apartments and in houses together. And so learning kind of that talking to friends who have also worked on the Hill and worked in politics. So a lot of that background came from reading articles and then just talking to people about what that kind of life is like, especially as a new senator or as a, as a new politician, because it's very different than people who have been there for a long time. So how did you get from Capitol Hill to here? <laughs> well, you know, I, that was, that's a long story. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, in between those times, I went to law school and was a lawyer for a number of years and then started writing. And so, you know, for a while I was both a lawyer and writer at the same time. At first, I was just sort of writing for fun and to learn something new and to give myself something to do after work. And then it became a passion for me and then a career. And so I managed to kind of do both for a while. And then now I'm mostly concentrating on writing. So your first novel, is that was that actually the one that got published? Or did you have a few you tried that never sold? Or how did it work? I had, I had kind of one and a half that I tried and never sold. The first one I wrote was actually not a romance, but I, well, it was a young adult romance. So kind of different. And so I wrote that one. And then I kind of worked on another book that I wrote the first half of kind of over and over again. But working on that taught me a lot about what I need and how who I am as a writer. So I really love both of those books and working on them and working on them both taught me a lot and and I, I learned so much from them. And what is your process like now? Do you show people as you go? Like how did you just teach yourself how to write great romance novels? And by the way, I like when I was looking for this book, I was looking in the fiction section and, and in the bookstore I went to, it was in the romance section with only like two other <laughs> books, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, they're like slim pickings these days in bookstores, but I was sort of surprised to see it there because I had already listened to it. And I was like, well, what's the difference? Why was it in that? There's so many books that are fiction that also have romance as a theme. What's the differentiating factor? Right. I think, you know, sometimes it can be a little vague. I mean, the really a romance, like the 
the key story is about the romance and is about the couple, but a lot of romances can blend over and go back and forth. So it honestly really depends on how bookstores shelve things, right? To see what section I'm in or who I'm next to in a bookstore. But you had another question before that. No, that's okay. I don't remember. That was a good (laughs) We'll go with that one. So tell me about how much you love writing about food. Because I love reading about food and I love eating food. And I know that that was probably the best part for me. It was going through all these different, you know, discussions about food in LA versus food in New York and just so many different food conversations, which I could have all day long myself. So (laughs) did that just happen on its own or you just love food or you just love writing about food or what? I just love food and I love writing about food. But I also, I'm always curious as to what people are eating, right? Like when... Like if I'm watching a TV show and they go out to dinner, I want to know what they're ordering. Like I'm interested in that. I want to know where they go or, you know, if someone's a a picky eater or not, or do they like to share? Don't they? I think all of that is just interesting and tells me something about a character and just builds on that. And so that's something like I tend to have even a lot more about food in my first drafts and then I have to edit stuff out (laughs) because I, I just find all of that endlessly fascinating when I'm writing characters and when I'm writing stories. And a lot of times I I feel like that's ignored. Like sometimes, you know, I'll be reading books and see them going or doing things from like morning to night. And I think, did they stop to eat? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you be hungry? (laughs) I'd be hungry. I was so upset. The show 24, I used to be obsessed with that show for like a period of time in my life, I think before I had kids. Anyway, and I remember thinking, how did he not eat in 24 hours? Right. Like I couldn't go 24 hours that eating. Where's the food in this, in this TV show? Don't you just like even need a power bar or something? Right. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, food is such a, such a through line in second grade. In second grade one, my mom tells me I called everybody in the class and asked them what they had for dinner. (laughs) So anyway, I I am with you. (laughs) And it tells a lot about people. I mean, they always say in fiction, right? Show, don't tell. I feel like what people eat and the way they eat, it it says a lot. That's why like when you go on a date at a restaurant, you get a lot of information. Exactly. Exactly. So funny. Did you ever have something where you had like a big disagreement over like how to eat or sharing, not sharing? I know that was like a question in the book. Like, are you a share, you know, do you like to do family style or not? Anything like that or everything? Well, it's funny because I have some very good friends who are not sharers and I am very much a sharer. But, you know, as long as like we establish that at the beginning, it's fine. You just have to, I think sometimes people are anxious about saying how they feel about one or the other. And I think just communication is the most important part of all of that, you know, and talking about it and talking it through. It's so true. My first date with my husband, he was like, oh, you want to just share everything? And I was like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) don't. (laughs) This is not going to work out. (laughs) But anyway, I got over it. (laughs) So what's your writing process like when you sit down to start one of the books? And obviously it must have changed over time now that you've become more of a pro at writing, knowing what you like to write and everything. How long does each book take? Where do you like to write? It has changed over time, although certain things have stayed the same. I mean, I try, I'm not always successful at this, but I try to write every day when I'm working on a draft just to keep the universe in my head of who who I'm writing, what the story is, who these people are. It just sort of helps me. Because then even when I'm not writing and when I'm just sort of going through my day or, you know, running errands or driving down the street, something will pop up and I'll think about them and make, make a realization about the book. I tend to try to come up with the story in advance. Sometimes it's a detailed outline, outline. Sometimes it's a very vague one. It just sort of depends on what I 
think of, you know, at the beginning, but I, I need a path in order to start something. A lot of times it changes a lot on that path as we, you know, as I get through the book and as I figure out more and more about the characters, there's sometimes certain things that, you know, a scene I had in mind when I started a book and when I get halfway through, I realize, oh, these two people would never do that. And so then I have to, you know, figure it out again and go back to the drawing board and, and think that through. But it is always, you know, a little bit of a process. I usually don't share it with anybody else, at least until I've gotten a few drafts in, mostly because I'm still trying to figure stuff out. So sometimes I will talk through if I'm trying to figure out like a, a certain plot point or, or something that happens. I'll talk it through with other friends of mine and see, okay, what would you do here? Or, you know, or I'm, should it be this or that? Or what do you think? And that helps me work through things. But a lot of times there's no point in me sharing something with someone too early because I already know it's not working and I'm trying to fix it. And then once I've done as much as I can, then I share it with other people and think, all right, help me fix this. <laughs> what do you think? Does this work? Does, does it not? And I know this doesn't work. So help me figure out how to fix it. It is a lot of the conversations that I have with other writer friends. That makes sense. And my editor. <laughs> and your editor. <laughs> For Olivia, so much of what made her so likable is all the interior monologue that you share. Like, is he telling the truth? Did he just stand me up? Should I trust him? What do you think? Da, da, da. Like, is that something you relate to? Like, are those the thoughts that you would have? Or is that all character? Like, do you relate more to different characters that you've created? Or is that like, in those situations, that's probably what you would be thinking? You know, Sometimes it's one and sometimes it's another. I mean, I try to think of, I have a constant interior monologue for everything I'm doing. And so I try to think of what would this character think through? Like, what would what would she be anxious about? Would she not be anxious at all in this situation? And why? Would she be perfectly confident? Would, you know, would she be excited about this or dreading it? Like, and those are all the emotions that I'm trying to think through. And then I want to reflect those emotions in their interior monologue and then in what they say and what their body language shows to the other person. And that's why it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the impact on your life on being a Reese's Book Club pick? Did that have, like, did that change things? Like, what did it feel like when you found out? Tell me about that experience. That was really exciting. My editor called me. I freaked out. We, we all freaked out. <laughs> and, you know, it was really heartwarming to see all of the people who really came to embrace my book because of the Reese pick and to really join a community like, you know, all of the her picks have been women and they, the Reese Book Club is really supportive of its authors and it's really lovely to see. I've met a number of the other authors and they're all so great and I love so many of the books. And so it's really been an honor to be kind of in that little sorority and to get to know so many of the other women who have written these books. That's excellent. Do you ever feel like there's more pressure now? Like it's harder to sit down and write? Like what if I can't do it again? Or does it just bolster you with more confidence? You know, it's a little combination of the two. Obviously there are times when I feel confident and then times when I feel like I can never do this again. For me, I started writing to see if I could find something that I enjoyed doing because I wanted some sort of creative outlet. I didn't know if I would like writing. I started it. I loved it. And so for me, I always just sort of try to come back to that love of writing. And even when I'm feeling stressed or anxious or unsure about my writing, I just want to find some joy there. And so that's the thing that always just keeps bolstering me and bringing me back. 
And so what are you working on now? Like, were you able to be productive during the quarantine time or are you? Uh, I mean, it is a really hard time to be creative and to be a writer. I think what I have tried to remind myself during this time is that writing is a practice and I have to just keep doing it in order to, to keep myself as a writer, to keep myself remembering how to do it. And so I am working on things, but I'm just trying to enjoy the process of writing and I'll worry about if it's going to be a book a little bit later. <laughs> Love it. Has the quarantine affected your baking? I feel like you, you referenced that you bake a lot too. And I've been baking so much. <laughs> I've been baking a ton. You have any yes. secret any secret tips you can share? For me, I think the most important thing in baking, one of the things that I've really learned is that you have to take your time with it. Like be patient. Try not to bake something, especially not something new in a rush, because then you'll realize that there's a step that you missed that you should still like refrigerate something for four hours that you didn't know, or you'll misread something in the recipe or something like that. And so I try to just take a lot of time and think of it as kind of a meditative process and have fun with it. And so the times when I've been most successful in baking are when I have tried to like not rush myself to just like chill out and relax and do this for fun. And then it is fun and then it turns out great. That's also a good metaphor for writing or maybe yeah. not a metaphor, but it's <laughs> yeah. the same, same kind of thing. I feel like I'm so impatient when I bake that I find myself microwaving butter to soften it, which just ruins the whole project. It, yeah. So it's like, why do I even bother? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you can't take the time to put the butter out in the morning and the eggs, like forget it, just forget yeah. it. <laughs> do you have any advice to aspiring authors? You know, my biggest piece of advice is just to read a ton. Read lots of different genres. And then if there's a book that you really like, reread it. Figure out what it was that drew you to that book. Why did you love it so much? Did they do the dialogue really well? What was it about that, you know, that worked for you? And take notes on that. But like, just keep reading because everything builds up in your mind and helps you remember and, and helps you learn how to tell a story. I think that's huge. You know, there's lots of great writing books that I've read, but I've learned the most just from reading so many books. What are some of your favorite? Like, do you have a genre you like the most? Is it your genre? I love romance. I've read a ton of romance that I love. I also love young adult. I love middle grade books, literary fiction, mysteries. Like I read a lot of different kinds of stuff. I actually tend to read a lot of nonfiction when I'm in like deep into writing because it's a little like it's always harder for my brain to attach to fiction when I'm trying to tell my own story. And so nonfiction is really great for me during those times. Has there been like a time where you have just felt like no matter what you did, you just can't focus on it and you just had to like put a project aside? <sighs> I've never really put anything. Well, no, that's not true. One of the books that I early on tried to write, that one, I think working on that book taught me that I really need an outline first because I just started that one kind of with an idea. And then I wrote the first half of that book three different times and then ended up putting it aside because I didn't really know where I was going. I didn't know kind of what the ending of the book would be or really what it was about. Like I knew the vague beginnings of it, but not too much. So I know that I need to think through a book now before I start writing. And that like that that process has really helped me to, you know, even though I never ended up finishing that book, I learned a lot from working on it. <laughs> Interesting. And I know one of the themes of Party of Two is about interracial dating and the effect on not just on the couple, but on everybody else and how people perceive that. What did you learn from writing this book about that? You know, I mean, for writing this book, I just sort of learned a lot about 
for me, it was more about like the public private nature of relationships and of society, right? Max is a, has a very public job. People are paying attention to him. Olivia doesn't like that part of dating Max. And so they have to learn to negotiate that. And that is a much bigger deal in their relationship than the interracial aspect of it. And so I really had to think about what would be the things that she would care about in that part of the relationship that would worry her, that would make her anxious, and that he he would kind of see but not quite understand. So those are some of the biggest things that I really thought about and learned as I worked on this book. So do you think you'll stay with the same type of book going forward? You have to give me a little more about what else is coming because now I'm going to want to read <laughs> I'm your not next sure. Book. You know, I think right now we're all kind of figuring stuff out. And so, so I guess we'll see. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And thank you for your totally amusing, entertaining, fabulous story that got me through a lot of workouts, which I really need to do. So you're like the one, you know, having, you know, keeping me going on the road there. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Okay. Thanks, Jasmine. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Spread the word. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 